0: Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The word of God for the people of God. Send your word, O oh Lord, like
1: the rain, falling down upon the earth. Send your word, O oh Lord, like the rain, falling down upon the earth. Thank you. May be seated. Well, two weeks ago I preached about Jesus and wealth, and all the many of the scriptures where Jesus highlights and talks about uh, giving and wealth. Then last week, Liz did a great job talking about the rhythm of our generosity, which is the theme of our uh, our, our stewardship campaign, and did a, and, and just reminded us that we can develop a rhythm of giving, um, not just a routine. Because God loves a cheerful giver, and then today is our our commitment Sunday. I don't know about you, but uh, you might be tired of hearing about money. You know, it's uh, I, I'm so sorry, but we do this in in using the fall of the year. But but really, I can't apologize because Jesus talked about money a lot. He liked to he liked to talk about money. I was visiting with a a family this week that had been coming to church and. And I, I and the wife said, "Well, you know that that my husband and I came a couple of weeks ago." And I said, "Oh, okay." She said, "You know that was the first time he had been in church in years, but he won't be coming back." And I thought, "Oh, what what was going on?" And I thought, "Oh, I'm so sorry. That was the money Sunday." <laughs> and okay, I get it. You know, people say uh, criticize us because we talk about money a lot, but we don't talk about money as much as Jesus did. But but. We, this year has been kind of a tough year, and we've remind, been reminded that there's no cure for mortality. There's just no, there's no cure for mortality. We're all going to die, and, and there's, you know, death is imminent, really, and, 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 and so sorry to say, but, you know, as much as we want to protect ourselves, you know, illness comes sometimes, death comes for all of us. Um, a few a week or so ago, I, a, a, a dear friend of ours died. She had she had, had breast cancer. So she was her her immune system was kind of low because she had gone through chemo, and then she was doing great. We thought, and and then she got put in the hospital on Friday, had COVID pneumonia, and Saturday she was doing okay, and she watched the Alabama game with her husband and. And then Sunday, she just died. And we couldn't believe it. We were so surprised. How could a young person um, die? Death just comes and surprises us sometimes. Colin Powell died this week. We're kind of surprised. We realized he had um, some medical conditions before he got COVID. There's just no cure for being human. I've never seen a hearse. Pulling a U-haul at trailer behind him to the cemetery. Jesus seemed to be trying to say the same thing. We're all mortal. We're all going to die, and you can't take it with you. In our scripture lesson today, he, some people, some friends, come up to Jesus, and they were having a little family squabble about inheritance. I know that doesn't happen among any of our families. But back in the day, you know, they were just upset and kind of squabbling about inheritance. And they said, Jesus, can you solve this for us? And you know he was a wise man because he said, no, I'm not getting involved in your family business. But he said, but let me tell you this. Don't worry about these possessions, your wealth and stuff here on earth. It, 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 it don't, don't worry about it. You don't, don't spend so much energy on it. You need to be generous with each other and, and, and worry about what's going to happen in the long term, your long-term retirement, so to speak. And then he tells them this story, this parable about this man who, who was a farmer, had a good year. He had so many crops coming in, he just didn't know what to do with it and he, he said well i know what i'll do i've had such a good year i'm just going to tear down my barns my small barns and i'm going to build bigger barns and i'm going to store it up so in the future i can relax and eat drink and be merry he's got his pension right there in his crops and it's going to be good and I, I have a pension too do you you know we kind of like to think we want to store it up so we can eat drink and be merry this week I'm going on vacation, so I'm going to miss next Sunday. And you know what I want to do? I want to relax and eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> you know, it's kind of wild. But this guy, he wanted to do that, and he wasn't thinking about anybody else with just that. And Jesus said, you fool. Tonight, this day, that your life will be taken We never know when death is gonna come. Jesus says, so be rich toward God, be rich toward God. Be generous. You see this, the the rich man in the parable wasn't thinking about his good fortune, his abundance, his blessings that, that he might could share with others. He was thinking about my barns, my crops, my stuff. Jesus says in Luke 12, Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven. In heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. William Barclay, the, the commentary theologian from a long time ago, he tells a really interesting, fun story, I think, about this scripture to try to help it come alive for us today. And, of course, like all stories, it falls short of explaining everything about God. But it's, I think it's a good story. And he says, a good Christian woman named Sally Christian dies and goes to heaven. And she's met by St. Peter. And St. Peter says, yes, we've been expecting you. Come on in and I'll show you around. So they... Uh, they, they 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 go and 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 I think about it, I think they get on one of these Star Wars kind of gliders. think, well, I don't know what you call them, but you know in like in Mandalorian, he rides one, you know it's like a motorcycle that's up off the ground. So they get on this thing and they're going around heaven and she's, Sally Christian, so excited, she sees all these big mansions and they're beautiful and they've got shrubbery and grass and it's just beautiful and and out, outside each, each home has the name of who lives there. And so she's seeing all these names and she's looking for her name and she's so excited because she's just looking, she knows she wants to live in this place, it's gonna be great. But St. Peter just keeps, he just keeps driving on. Pretty soon, they leave that neighborhood. They get to smaller houses, and they're pretty nice, too, you know. She said, oh, I'd be liking this house. There's a nice yard. There's shrubbery. It's good. It's nice. And they just keep, keep keep going on to the next neighborhood, and it's a little smaller. She's looking for her name. It's not there. They keep going. And then there's some apartment complexes and little names up you know, on the side of the wall, and she doesn't see her name. Brr, and they keep going, finally they get outside of town, and the and the beautiful road gets worse and worse. It gets potholes, and now it's just kind of a dirt road, you know, where where they are. And she says, "Where are we going? I like those those neighborhoods back there." And then they pull up next to this this tar paper shack, and and there's her name, Sally Christian. And Simon Peter says, "Well, here we are. Here's your new home." And Sally Christian gets off and looks around and is not very nice and she says to St. Peter but I don't like those houses back there I don't really like this house and she's and St. Peter says well honey it's just all you sent up it's all that you sent up this is what we had to work with I'm so sorry but it's like Jesus said you know you what you sow on earth will be reaped in heaven Now, of course, this parable doesn't tell the whole story about God. We know that salvation is a gift, and God loves us unconditionally. But it does beg us to ask the question, what have you invested in your long-term retirement? What you sow on earth will be reaped in heaven. God does love us unconditionally, just like my parents as I remember it, loved me unconditionally. They loved me enough to let me know when I got in trouble or didn't, but they loved me. But there were rules that we had to obey. There were rewards and there were punishments. When I was in elementary school, I knew that if I got an A on my report card, we could go down to Sears and Roebuck and I could pick out a Matchbox car of my choice. It was very exciting. And if I didn't get an A that six weeks, I would not get a Matchbox car. You know, it wasn't that they loved me less or more, it's just how I did, you know, with reward and punishment. And I kind of, and I still have Matchbox cars today, not a lot, because I never got a lot of A's. But, <laughs> but, I, but I, 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 you know, they, they were pretty important to me back then. I earned those things, and I think that's kind of the way God is. There, He loves us unconditionally, but there are expectations, there are rewards and punishment. Luke Luke twelve forty eight says, "From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required, and from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded." Jesus is teaching on wealth continues in Luke 16 where it climaxes and Jesus says, no slave can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. Whoever is faithful in little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. I don't know about you, but as I try to grow in my Christian walk, I want to be better next year than I was this year. I want to be more generous next year than I was this year. I want to be more forgiving next year than I was this year. I want to be less grumpy next year than I am this year. Don't as we grow and grow in our spiritual maturity, don't we want to be more forgiving and loving and generous next year than we were this year? Jim Harness, a Nine Methodist pastor in Florida, says that in the Bible, doesn't care, God doesn't care about the amount of our gift. God cares about how much we have left over after we have given. God is not so concerned about the impact of our gift on the church as our, the impact of our gift on each of us. I think one of the reasons Jesus cares so much about giving and talks so much about generosity is that money has has the potential to do great good in the world. But also money and wealth has the potential to fog our moral vision. You know, potential has the I mean the money has the potential to to have a negative effect on us as well. And so Jesus talks about generosity. Our tithing shows our commitment to God and God's kingdom. A few weeks ago, Reed and I had the uh, good fortune to go to a Christian conference, a conference for pastors in Kansas City. And while we were there, we're both kind of baseball fans. So we just timed it where we happened to be able to go to a Royals baseball game. And it it was very, very fun for us. And while we were there, Salvador Perez hit his 48th home run this season. And it was a record-breaking thing. And the fans were just standing up, and they were applauding. They were going crazy for this home run. And I'm on my phone Googling, why is this home run so important? And I found out it was his 48th home run, and it was a record record. For a catcher, no catcher had ever hit that many home runs in one season. So the whole stand was, all the stands were celebrating with him. It was very exciting. And uh, you, you might, some of y'all might remember a few years ago, Mark McGuire, when he played for St. Louis, hit a big home run. He, he hit his, his 70th, I mean, his 62nd home runs in a se- season. And at that point, it was a big record. And it was coming up, and people were excited about it and talking about it. Sports writers were saying, how much do you think that baseball is going to be worth? What's it? Some people said, that baseball is going to be worth $400,000. Someone said, $600,000. Some people said, $800,000. Some people said, that baseball will be worth a million dollars. It's the record home run baseball, million dollars. So there was great anticipation. I just remember, as probably you do, when he stepped up to bat and hit that home run and, and it and it went over the fence and and the the crowd in St. Louis at Bush Stadium just applauded. They stood up and they were cheering him on because he broke this record. And people are wondering who's gonna get the ball? Who's gonna get the ball? The million dollar ball. The guy's name was Tim Fornerus, He was a groundskeeper in the Bush Stadium, and and he just happened to be in the right place behind the fence, good planning. And he got the ball, and he put it inside his shirt. And everybody's applauding as his mark goes around the bases, and it's very exciting. And then an unexpected thing happened. Tim walked out on the field and he walked across the field, all the way up to Mark McGuire, and he got out that baseball, and he said, Mr. McGuire, I I think I have something that belongs to you. And he gave him that million-dollar baseball. People were shocked. What would you do if you had a million-dollar baseball? What would you do? Sports writers and reporters, they asked Mr. Foreigners, after the game, he said, what, what were you thinking? Why did you give him back the million dollar baseball? You could have got a million dollars for that. And and he said, it's not mine to begin with. It wasn't mine to begin with. I brought it home. And when he did that, the, all the stands just erupted in applause again as they watched him give that baseball to Mr. McGuire. What we're doing today on this Commitment Sunday, we're filling out our stewardship cards, our estimate of giving cards. We're saying, God, I think I have something that belongs to you. I think I have something that belongs to you, to you and I want to bring it home. So as we're seeing this last song, I invite you to, to take a card. If you don't have one, there, there are some in the pews. They're, they're in the pews around you. Just take some time and prayerfully think about what is it that God wants to do through you to promote the kingdom of God this next year. And it really helps our our finance committee as they make plans for next year. And think about where you want to give and give back to God because we all want to be rich toward God. Let us pray. Help us, O God, to share our abundance. Help us to share what belongs to you and give it back to you. We ask, Lord, that you just bless all those as they fill out their cards today and bring them to the front that your will will be done and your ministry will continue through this church. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.